You are listening to The Scope, Phelps Health Podcast, Episode 13. Today we're going to be talking about birth control. Let's get started. Hi everybody, I'm your host Paige Heitman. The Scope Podcast is produced on a regular basis and can be found by visiting phelpshealth.org. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your SoundCloud stream or subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can also find Phelps Health on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. All links can also be found in the show notes. Now let's get into our show. Today our guest is Dr. Nathan Rashford, Chief Medical Officer at Phelps Health Hospital and a gynecologist with Phelps Health Medical Growth. Dr. Rashford, last time we met, we talked about the importance of women's health, pregnancy, and infertility, and I know that was a lot to discuss in in one time period in one podcast, so today I really kind of want to hone in and talk about birth control. So if you're ready, we're just going to go ahead and dive in. Yeah, it's a great topic. Perfect. So one of the first things I want to talk about is when was birth control created and what was the purpose of it? It's a complicated question. (laughs) So so, It has a really interesting background. Yeah, so, so... I think there's a long history actually for how human beings, Mm -hmm. science has come to terms with how to uh, selectively in time uh, childbirth and avoid pregnancies and things like that. Um, You know, for for a long time, um, women have recognized that there's times in their cycle that they're more fertile than others and they kind of try to time intercourse around those times if they're trying to conceive or if they're avoiding pregnancy. Uh, that I'm sure that predates history, to be honest with you. Uh, if you're talking more about like modern options that women are seeking for birth control, so really the, the birth control pill that most women are familiar with, that was developed in the 1950s and it's been around since the 60s. And then over the decades since then, there's been a variety of other developments with the birth control pill and and, and other contraceptive options that we'll discuss this morning. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a, as a woman seeking birth control options to prevent pregnancy, uh, m- most of the options that are available today have been around for a long time. And is that the main purpose of birth control is to just prevent pregnancy or are there other reasons that somebody might be on birth control? Sure, so, um, you know, these things that we're talking about, they all get grouped together because their, their primary purpose is to help with family planning and to uh, avoid pregnancy if it's not desired at that time. But um, depending on which option you're talking about, some of these things have potential secondary benefits that a woman might be looking for as well. So whenever you say secondary benefits, um, for example, some people might be on birth control because they have like endometriosis or they have cysts, things of that nature. Mm, Sure. So just looking at the overall gestalt of things Mm -hmm. that people are looking for i'd say hands down the most common secondary benefit that women are looking for is they're trying to do some sort of positive effect on their periods Uh, it's a very common thing for women to have nuisance bleeding unpredictable periods heavy bleeding things like that and um, most of the options that women can choose for birth control will have some positive benefit for that. Um, There's other things that are less common, like you mentioned endometriosis, ovarian cysts, acne, hair growth, things like that. Depending on which birth control option you're talking about, some of these things can help with those as well. Now, when somebody goes in to get birth control, regardless of their age, it can feel very overwhelming because you have so many different types. So let's spend some time talking about that because you have a pill, a skin patch, an implant, and that's just a few, and that doesn't even cover all of it. 
Sure, it can be really overwhelming. Yes. Um, so I will say that one of the things I've recognized over the past 10 years or so is that uh, most women do a good job of informing themselves mm -hmm. before they come in for their visit. You know, the internet is kind of a double-edged sword. It's got a lot of great resources on it, but you want to stick to more reputable websites and things like that and careful what you read. So that does help with the conversation. Um, you know, generally, if I've got somebody coming in asking about contraception, I think most people kind of have an idea of what they're hoping to start. Mm -hmm. um, I still give them the benefit of, we talk about what all the options are, the pros and cons, make sure that she's making the right choice for her. But um, yeah, if, if somebody comes in just blank slate, they have no idea what they want to do, they just aren't ready to get pregnant at that time, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it takes a good 10, 15 minutes alone just to kind of talk through all the pros and cons of the various options. So do you recommend a certain contraception over any other one? Like do you say, you know, the pill is my go-to or what is an IUD is my go-to? Yeah, so not at all, actually. So, okay, let's talk um, about that. Yeah, so, um, you know, just like no two people are alike. Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of, one of my um, go-to sayings that I tell people is like, if I'm, if I'm counseling her on her options, I say, you know, not that there's somebody sitting next to her, but I usually point at the empty chair and I say, <laughs> you know, if your twin sister was sitting mm -hmm. right here, she might choose X, Y, Z for whatever her reasons are. And that's, that's totally fine. So. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, um, it's, it's, you're right. It's overwhelming sometimes to have so many options, but it's really neat to have so many options mm -hmm. because depending on what you're looking for, what your personal preferences are, you've got a choice. So, so let's say somebody chooses a contraception of their choice, whatever it is, and they decide after month one, it's terrible. It's no good. Would you recommend them to stay on it for a certain amount of time because it may level out or what's the protocol? Yeah, so with what you're, the scenario you're describing is really kind of birth mm -hmm. control pills, actually. So, um, you know, currently there's about 40 or so different birth control pills on the market, and they all have different, like, amounts of estrogen mm -hmm. in them or different types of progesterone. And, um, you know, if, if I've got somebody who's just coming out of the dark, she's starting a new birth control pill, never been on that before. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I caution people that, hey, we, we may get it right off the bat and you do wonderful with it, but sometimes it takes like two or three months before your, your body kind of gets used to it and you mm -hmm. decide you really like it. You know, I, I certainly wouldn't want somebody to start a pill and have, you know, really troublesome side effects from it and then she like forces herself to persist on it for three months. Yeah. But if, if, it's, if it's more minor things, like may, maybe her bleeding isn't happening exactly when she thought mm -hmm. it would be. Those things or, may even out. Yeah, th th those things may get better with time. Mm -hmm. so. Now, are there any types of contraceptives that um, don't have like hormones in them that are options for, for Yeah, women? so, so there's, there's essentially there's two. So um, one option would be what I would call barrier methods. So this is going to be... Um, like we mentioned rhythm method earlier, which is where you monitor your menstrual cycle. And there's, there's even apps on your phone and stuff like this that can help you these days. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very simple, but if you have a regular predictable menstrual cycle, you can kind of predict which days of your cycle you're gonna be more or less fertile. And then depending on what your goals are, you can either avoid to have intercourse or have mm -hmm. intercourse on those days. 
Um, condoms have been around for a long time, diaphragms, sponges, cervical caps, uh, withdrawal method, which is where the partner pulls out before mm -hmm. he ejaculates. So those are all non-hormonal. Uh, okay. So you're not, you're not really doing anything unless you're sexually active. There's no side effects from it. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, those are also on the less effective end of the scale. Mm -hmm. So it does come with some drawbacks. Yeah, there's some risk associated, right. right? And then the second option is the Paragard IUD or the copper IUD, which has the advantage of it doesn't have any hormones in it. It's implanted in your uterus, so you, you don't have to remember to do anything with it. And it's quite effective. It's about a one in 800 chance of getting pregnant every year, which is really good. Um, the only drawbacks to it are if you're allergic to copper, obviously you can't have that. You would figure is, that out really fast. Yeah, it's really, it's really <laughs> uncommon, yeah. but, um, you know, a lot, most pennies have copper in them. So if you break out from touching pennies, mm -hmm. you'd be allergic to copper. And then since it doesn't have any hormones in it, it's mm -hmm. also not going to benefit your periods in any way. So women that are on the copper IUD, they typically have crampier, maybe heavier periods mm -hmm. when they have the device in, so. So for the women that are on the copper IUD, is there anything that they can do proactively to make their periods better or just being on the copper IUD or they just kind of, they get what they get? Yeah, it kind of comes with it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people will get good results with like anti-inflammatory type medications, mm -hmm. like uh, really strong doses of Motrin when they're on their period mm -hmm. and that can help, but, um, and unfortunately, it's one of those things that's kind of trial and error. You just kind of see how you do with it. Yeah. You mentioned earlier the menstrual cycle or the rhythm method. Let's talk about that for a second. So if somebody is like trying to have a baby, is that method very effective? Yeah. So, um, so again, I was mentioning like the phone trackers and stuff like that. I, I don't really have one that I recommend necessarily, but you can, you can go to the application store on your phone and find mm -hmm. them pretty easily. But um, you know, if, if a woman is having a, a typical 28 day cycle, so, mm -hmm. so from the start of one period to the start of the subsequent period, it's about four weeks. She can pretty reliably expect that she's going to ovulate around day 11. Okay? okay. So what the app will do is based on your menstrual cycles, it'll calculate like this, this window mm -hmm. of a handful of days is when you're most fertile. So if you're trying to get pregnant, you, you'll want to have unprotected intercourse during mm -hmm. that time. If you're trying to avoid pregnancy, leave the house. You would have intercourse the other time. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it's it's all uh -huh. what you're trying to get out of it. Okay, so. great answer. Um, so my next question is, where can somebody get birth control? We know that we can go to our, our provider's office or our clinic's office, but what if that's not an option for us? Sure. So um, you know, like you said, mo most uh, birth control, like what we're talking about today, is uh, either prescribed mm -hmm. or it's something that is ordered from a pharmacy that is sent to the doctor's office and then it's inserted at an exam. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, different barrier methods are effect they're effective and they're mm -hmm. over the counter. So you can go to any pharmacy and get things like condoms and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, we, we have other services available, like there's, there's Planned Parenthood here in town. Um, but, um, you know, as far as, you know, getting counseling for what birth control is right for you, talk to your physician and find mm -hmm. out, you know, what you're going to do best with. Yeah, you talked earlier. It's really, um, it's neat that we have so much availability of technology in the internet, 
But again, that can do us a disservice because we sure. may think we know something that is completely inaccurate and get into the meeting and say, well, I have X, Y, and Z, and this is what I want. And yep. you give us a completely different recommendation based off of that. Yep. I'd say many times I'll have a scenario where somebody comes in thinking they want it, mm-hmm. whatever it might be. But then by the time we really get into like what she's looking for and what she's hoping to get out mm-hmm. of it, she may find something else is a better fit for her. That's yeah. okay. Which is why we need providers sure. <laughs> to help us navigate those decisions because yeah. they're oftentimes very difficult to navigate. Yeah, no, it's a big part of my job, both uh, with, with this and a lot of other things mm-hmm. that I do is helping people find what they think is the best choice for them. Yeah, you're a provider and a counselor. Yeah, that's right. That's very true. <laughs> so let's say somebody decides that their preference of choice is the pill. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain time of day that somebody is supposed to take the pill? Let's say it's in the morning before they eat. Should they do it at night before they go to bed? Sure, that's a common question. So really when it comes to taking the pill, mm-hmm. the most important thing is that you take it consistently at the same time every day. Um, you know, we all have different schedules and if, if you can honestly tell yourself, you're not going to remember to take it at the same time every day for school, for kids, for work, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, probably not the best fit for you. Um, some people prefer to take it in the morning. Some people prefer to take it in the evening. Um, if I've got somebody who has never taken a pill before, uh, I prefer that they take it at night before they go to bed at the same time, because a common side effect when people first start a birth control pill is nausea. Mm -hmm. And I may not be able to make that go away, but at least if, you know, she's already sleeping and that's Mm -hmm. the window when she would be experiencing nausea, she's not going to be aware of it. Yeah. She's already asleep. So it doesn't matter. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, food, you know, some people like to take some, um, their pills with food and that's okay. It doesn't affect the Mm -hmm. effectiveness of it. If somebody doesn't take their pill at the same time, does it decrease the effectiveness? It does. Uh, so what most women are going to experience is that their their periods are not going to be as regular as they would like to have them. They're more likely to have side effects from the pill. Worst case scenario mm-hmm. is they're taking this medicine to prevent pregnancy and it's going to be less effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they might wind up pregnant. Yep. And then they have twins. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So are the pill and the other forms of birth control, are they safe? Sure. So, um, you know, safe is relative. Um, there's nothing that's available to a woman for birth control right now that I would say is dangerous. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, everything has, um, potential side effects Mm -hmm. and depending on your personal history and medical conditions. Yeah. There are, there are options that you shouldn't use. So, Mm -hmm. uh, a great example of that when it comes to birth control pills is, um, if you're a woman older than 35 and you smoke, that's a contraindication for being on birth control pills. Uh, being older than 35, smoking, and taking an estrogen-containing birth control, mm-hmm. like, like the birth control pill, those are all going to increase your risk for getting blood clots, and that's why we try to avoid that. So, you know, if, if you are in that situation, smoking cessation is just really not mm-hmm. realistic or an option, then you, you really need to consider something else for birth control. Mm-hmm. That leads me into another question that I have Mm -hmm. regarding age. So let's say somebody starts taking birth control when they're 16 and they're on it until they hit like menopause. Mm -hmm. Is that going to cause lifelong issues for them or is it totally fine to be on birth control your whole life? So I'd say it's sort of totally, totally fine. Uh Um, So, you know, I I can't say I have anybody that fits that exactly, but I, I do have quite a few patients that other than 
whatever pregnancies they might have had. They like being on birth control pills for whatever the reason might be. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's period regulation, maybe it's their complexion or whatever mm -hmm. that they're looking to avoid. Um, women that are in their 40s as they're approaching menopause, they tend to do really well with birth control pills for those same reasons. It's helping out their hormones, it's helping mm -hmm. out their periods. Um, people that are on birth control pills have a reduced risk of ovarian cancer and uterine cancer. So there are benefits to being on a birth control pill. There is a there is a small risk of an increased risk of breast cancer, but the problem with that is that for the individual mm -hmm. woman who has a one in eight chance of getting breast cancer, you know whether you take the birth control pill for one year or thirty years in mm -hmm. your example, your personal risk of getting breast cancer is unchanged. It's still one in eight. You can you can really only show that correlation if you look at really big groups of women. Mm -hmm. So. What about parents? So as their children get older and mm -hmm. they decide that they want to be on birth control, how do you even have that conversation? That can be really awkward it's and really maybe awkward, the kids don't it? even want to have it. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like um, maybe once a month or so, I have a patient that will be in for her well woman exam. Mm -hmm. and they always save it for like right at the end. Of the oh, so they can just boost coot and boogie. Like, hey, my, my daughter's 16. Uh -huh. What do you think about this? And so, so I, 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 uh -huh. I, I tell people, you know, good for you for thinking of this first, because mm -hmm. it's, it's not a place that parents naturally gravitate yeah. to. Um, you know, I, I think the statistic is something like 40% of high schoolers are sexually active, which wow. is a really high mm -hmm. number. And I think there's, I think most pediatricians would tell you there's good data out there that if, if a child is going, or in this case, adolescence, mm -hmm. if an adolescent is going to listen to anybody, it's going to be one of their parents. Mm -hmm. So I think this is going to be individualized to the child and you're going to have to approach your child in the best way that you see fit. But mm -hmm. I, I really encourage parents to, you know, if, if they're, if their daughter is not bringing it up to them, they really owe it to her to bring it up themselves and, and just get get that over with and get that conversation mm -hmm. out there. So. so is that what you say to, to parents who come into your mm -hmm. clinic at the very end of your appointment? Yep. And then yep. you pat them on the back and say good luck. Yep, that's right. So, and, and you know, um, I know it's a very awkward thing to come mm -hmm. in as an adolescent to a gynecologist's office, mm -hmm. but um, I, I would say when it comes to talking about like what we're talking about today, mm -hmm. I love talking to adolescents. It's, it's an opportunity to set them on the right track. Things that they may have heard that were incorrect from their friends or the internet or whatever, mm -hmm. that's your chance to make that right. Um, I, you know, I, rightly so. I, th I think a lot of younger women are intimidated to come to the doctor's mm -hmm. office because they're expecting, you know, an embarrassing exam and you're talking about awkward things and stuff like that. Um, it is rare for a 21 year or younger woman to have to do some sort of pelvic exam or something mm -hmm. like that in the doctor's office. It just doesn't happen that much. So typically what I do with my teenage patients, if they're just coming in for like this discussions, is we just sit here like this and talk. Um, sometimes they want mom to leave. Sometimes they keep mom in the room. It, can really be whatever they're comfortable with but um, you know I, I wouldn't let that be a barrier to them getting appropriate care yeah it should almost make them feel empowered to be able to have Definitely. those conversations at that so age. it's a safe place mm -hmm. um, there, there's there's little subtle tricks and things that I talk about that kind of put them at ease and uh, 
like I said, they're, they're usually very good, very good visits. So. so let's say somebody is on birth control and they've decided that they want to have a baby. Mm-hmm. When should they stop taking birth control and when can they expect to conceive? So, um, again, that's going to be tailored to the individual mm-hmm. birth control they're on. So I, I would say the average woman coming off of some hormonal contraceptive, mm-hmm. most people can expect to start having periods within about three months or so. One, once you start having periods on your own, then you can get pregnant. That's a good indicator that you're ovulating. You could get pregnant. Um, it's this is a common question. It's it's tricky to time when you're going to conceive. Thinking about you know you're looking at the calendar for next year and like oh I'd love to have a April baby or whatever uh-huh. it is. Everybody thinks those things and it it, it does work out for some people, but um, you know typically a couple having regular unprotected intercourse off of any contraceptive up to a year before they conceive is considered normal. Mm-hmm. So. Which I didn't think about this either, but you talked about that in a previous podcast as well. Mm-hmm. That's a long time because a lot it of is. people think as soon as you get off birth control, bang, you're pregnant. Yep. And that does happen. Mm-hmm. You know, some people even accidentally get pregnant on birth control. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I would tell somebody if she's planning on getting pregnant, just be kind of open-minded if you will. Maybe it'll happen off the bat, but maybe it might take a while. Mm-hmm. Here's a random question too, and this is a little off the wall. What if somebody um, is ovulating, so they're like at really, I guess, high capability of getting or probability of getting pregnant, mm-hmm. and they're on birth control, they forget to take their birth control, or they take it at a wonky time, but then the next day they take Plan B. Are they still at a pretty high risk of getting pregnant? So. I would generally discourage somebody from taking plan B mm-hmm. uh, on top of their birth control pill. That would be an unusual situation, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody has accidentally gotten pregnant while taking a, a birth control, mm-hmm. continuing that birth control, taking plan B at that point mm-hmm. is not going to make a difference. So, yeah. yeah. If somebody finds out that they are pregnant, mm-hmm. they should stop taking birth control though, right? Yeah. So. Um, Generally speaking, if somebody's taking like a birth control pill, mm-hmm. she feels like she might be pregnant, she mm-hmm. takes a pregnancy test, lo and behold, yep, she's pregnant. She really needs to stop her birth control pill and she needs to uh, call her doctor and get further instructions on what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that does happen. And um, at that point, there's really no harm from taking the birth control pill, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't encourage somebody to continue it. Um, that advice would be different for other things, like we've mentioned IUDs and Explanon. If, if, if somebody's to get accidentally pregnant on those, I, I would give them different instructions, but they still need to call their doctor. Mm-hmm. What happens if somebody stops taking their birth control, but they just don't ever get their period back? Should that be a cause for concern? Yeah, so, so some people resume normal periods faster than others, mm-hmm. uh, which is to be expected. Um, I, I generally tell people if they... If they stop their birth control that's regulating their period, so like in this example, birth control pills, if they have not had a period within six months, they need to let me know. We need to make sure everything's okay. Doesn't mean doesn't mean there's something wrong necessarily, but that would be unusual for somebody to go that long and still not have a period. So it sounds like six months is kind of the marker mm-hmm. to be like, okay, I need to call my OB or my yeah. provider and we need to have a conversation. Yeah, that would be my comfort zone mm-hmm. for somebody going that long without having a period. So mm-hmm. That needs to be investigated. Is that regardless of whether you're on pills or something else like an IUD? 
So IUDs, no, because mm -hmm. it's really common with IUDs to not have a period at all while you're on those. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think um, if I was to compare my patients coming off pills versus coming off an IUD, mm -hmm. probably the people on the IUD come back quicker, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, okay. But um, I don't know. It's a good question. So just kind of you just have to play it by ear. Yeah, yeah but, but for sure, regardless of what birth control you're on, mm -hmm. if you don't start having a period on your own, mm -hmm. you need to let your doctor know. So why do some people take a pill, but other people use a shot or other methods of birth control? Mm. So it kind of boils down to personal preference mm -hmm. and, and your own personal comfort level of effectiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, um, birth control pills, the, the vaginal rings, the patches that you wear on your skin, mm -hmm. they're all kind of an equal effectiveness and they're kind of on the, the lower end, to be honest with you. Uh, in the middle would be the Depo-Provera shot that you get every three months. And then at the higher end of effectiveness would mm -hmm. be the implantable devices. So this would be like the next one in your arm or one of the IUDs inside your uterus. Those are the most effective mm -hmm. reversible contraceptives. Um, all of those have different ways of taking them. All of them have different potential side effects. Uh, really, it comes down to your personal preference mm -hmm. on what you prefer. Now, regardless of whatever somebody like chooses again, let's say that they really hate it. And I've done this. I'll tell myself I did this in college. Sure. I was on a pill and I couldn't even tell you what pill it was. It was like a month in and it was like the worst month of my life. And mm -hmm. I just stopped at cold turkey. Yep. Should I not have done that? Oh, no. If you, if you were having mm -hmm. that significant side effects, you absolutely should stop it. Let your doctor know, get some further mm -hmm. advice. Yeah. yeah, so it's totally okay then if somebody is just really having very bad side effects for them to stop at cold turkey. They shouldn't push through the pain or whatever yeah. is going on. I mean, I, I don't know if this is where you're going with that, but kind of on a related note, mm -hmm. if you're doing fine with the birth control pill, yeah. it's best not to stop mid-pack. Mm -hmm. If you're intending to stop it for whatever the reason might be, you're switching to something else, mm -hmm. you're wanting to get pregnant. You should stop with the full pack and then go yeah, from finish there. it out. But yeah, in, any medicine that you're having mm -hmm. a problem with, you need to stop it and figure out what's going on. So I have one more question and then we'll kind of, we'll wrap up. Do birth control pills protect against like STIs or anything like that? No, that's a, that's a common misconception. <laughs> Glad you said that. So, um, so all the things that we've talked about, mm -hmm. birth control pills, NuVering, IUDs, Depo-Provera. So the, these all, have different effectiveness at preventing pregnancy, mm -hmm. which is primarily why people take them. Yes. Uh, it's also important that you take into account your personal risk of sexually transmitted infections, mm -hmm. which depending on the situation may be relatively low or it might be high. Mm -hmm. So if you're, in, if you're in a situation where you might be potentially exposed to an infection, mm -hmm. even though you're taking some sort of birth control, it's important that you use you know condoms to prevent that. You, you get tested for infections to make sure that mm -hmm. you, you've been exposed, but you don't have any symptoms. You want to try to avoid that situation if you can. Yeah, and that's to protect ourselves Absolutely. as much as it is to protect others. Yeah, I tell people all the time, you know, no, nobody's going to watch out after your health better than you. Mm -hmm. And it's important that even if you're on birth control, you know, who, who you share your body with can have health implications. That you don't know about. For the rest of your life, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you, you got to... You gotta take the appropriate steps. Yeah. Absolutely. So before we end our show, I want to give you an opportunity to give us any final advice you have regarding birth control. No, I, you know, my like we started with, it's it's a complicated mm -hmm. uh, subject. Very a lot nuanced. of options. I 
I would really ask, regardless of where you're at in life, your age, what your goals are, if it's something that you have questions about, if you need help making a decision, definitely reach out to your doctor. I'm sure they'd be happy to help you. Fantastic. Thanks so much for tuning into The Scope. If you liked our show and would like to know more, check out pubshealth.org. Thanks so much.